Bible reading this morning is from Colossians chapter 1, and we'll be reading from verse 24 through to chapter 2, verse 5. Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission of the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has kept, been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of his mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of um, sorry, full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this, that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments, for though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm in your faith in Christ is. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can uh, uh, come together this morning and open up your word um, and be encouraged by it. Uh, wherever we are with you, uh, whether we're wondering if you're even there or whether we've uh, trusted in you all our life, help us now to consider your words and where our life should head, what journey we should be on. Amen. Oh. oh, I've bumped this already as well. That's really funny. There we go. There we go. All right. Um, as I was saying, it's a great privilege to be here and speak with you today. But actually, the bigger privilege is that uh, Jen and the family and I get to do our life with you and church with you. Um, it's great to be able to do that with you. Those of you who I was with at, um, <laughs> at Modbury, like Rosemary and Joel. Um, it's great to be with you again. But if I haven't met you before, if you were at me before we got there, or you were just here for the first time or started coming, I'd love to get to know you and meet you uh, and, and uh, yeah, hang out afterwards and uh, not just uh, um, in a formal way like this. But what we're going to be thinking about today is the idea of journeying in life. Now, you, know, you know the idea that what is your life's journey? You know how that, that seems to be a thing that people say all the time now, I'm on this journey. And there's lots of ideas and quite, that's just my journey, this is your journey. There's all sorts of different ways of thinking about it. So much so that I kind of, I'm the kind of person who gets cynical and whenever anyone says, I'm on my journey, I turn away from it. And so now I'm preaching today on the idea of what's your journey and where you're headed. Okay? So if you're like that, I'm doing it, so you have to listen with me as well. But I thought we'd start by just thinking about three examples of what people say life's journey is about. And I thought we'd start in thinking about this guy, he was a philosopher in, uh, in the 1800s. I don't know him, but I just think it's an interesting one that you've probably heard before. Life is, not, is, is a journey, not a destination. 
It's about just where you head, where you get to. Don't worry about that. But it's just where you head. That's often said. It's an idea that's interesting, and we'll come to it a little bit later. The, one of the current sages of our time, no matter what you think of her, she's definitely seen to be loved by millions and millions, Oprah Winfrey. Your life is a journey of learning to love yourself first and then extending that love to others in every encounter. Loving yourself first and loving others. You might love all of that. There might be a bit you kind of go mm, against and a bit you think, oh, I'm down with that. What is life's journey about? And then we have Douglas Adams, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy guy, and I must admit, I don't understand half the things he says. And his, his idea on journey is, I may not have gone to where I intended to go, but I think I've ended up where I intended to be. <laughs> That's deep, isn't it? Think about it for a moment. And if you're like me, I've got no idea what he actually means. But it's deep, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> where are we going in life? Paul... Uh, in his talking with the Colossians that we've just read and that we've been looking at over uh, our time starting uh, this, this uh, church here in Karaka, he's talking with them and he wants to take them somewhere. He wants to take them somewhere and so he speaks to them about what life is about. And as we think about these words today, the question should resonate for you. Where are you going? What is your journey? Where are you heading? What is your purpose? Whatever way you'd like to say it. And that's what we're going to wrestle with today. And if you're not sure where you are with Jesus, today's a great day to be here because actually what you get, uh, hopefully, a snapshot into is what the Christian life is about in its scope for you to wrestle with and consider. So let's have a look at Paul and what he says, the writer of this letter to the Colossians, because his journey starts with suffering. Paul doesn't just start by saying he suffers, he says he's happy about it, would you believe? He says he rejoices in his suffering. Have a look with me. As, um, what's the purpose of the journey? Paul, in verse 24, if you've got it open there on the screen, we see in verse 24 he says... Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions. He actually says that sufferings cause him to rejoice. I'm not sure we would say much of COVID causes us to rejoice. It certainly has meant there hasn't been much physical journeying in life at the moment, has there? I started a job this year which meant I was supposed to travel all around the country. Good luck with that. But what about this idea of suffering and rejoicing in it? Why would he say that? Well, if we get to the bottom of it, it's not that he likes suffering. It's actually because in going through it, there is a significant outcome that is worth celebrating. So what he goes on to say, why? It's for the sake of his body, which is the church. Now, he's not saying his body is in himself. He's saying his, as in Jesus. That this whole book that's about Jesus, he is saying he rejoices in his suffering because it's for the sake of his body, which is the church. 
and the body, sorry, is God's people, which Jesus is the head of. You see? It's a metaphor that Jesus, the head of the church, has a body, which is you and I. And he's telling the Colossians, you Christians in this little place, in this place, who have decided Jesus is Lord, I'm suffering for you for your sake. He's suffering for Jesus' body, God's people. But this picture gets built out a little bit further. What does he actually do? What do we actually see? It's for the sake of Jesus' body, and it's to give the body God's word. It's to give the body God's word. See, we've already discovered in Colossians, if, if you've been here previous weeks, and if, you, and if you haven't, it'd be great to go back and have a look at a few chapters beforehand, We've discovered that what we find out about is what Jesus is like. Remember a couple of weeks ago when we looked at um, chapter 1 and Scott revealed, uh, showed us in, in uh, chapter 1, verse 15 and following, Jesus is actually God. That all things were made for him and through him. That he is supreme. The, the title of our whole series in Colossians. He is over all things. This is the person we are considering. And so he's suffering for God's uh, people's sake because they're to hear that, who Jesus is. But not only that, last week when we were considering this Jesus, we also considered that we have a problem. That the problem is we don't have a relationship with this Supreme One because we've kind of alienated ourselves from him. In verse 21, which I didn't put up on the screen, but in verse 21, he says to the the Christians in Colossae, once you were alienated from God, so much so, how you're seen is to be regarded as, what does he say? Enemies, is what Scott helped us think about last week. It's what we did in, in, in communion, was to remind ourselves that we sinned and without Jesus and what he's done for us, we're out of relationship with him. But what we also remember in, in, in communion is that Jesus came and dealt with it for us unbelievably. The God of everything steps into our place and deals with it for us. And so Paul continues on in what he's saying, and he's saying, I'm suffering for you so that you get to hear God's word, all of it, that who Jesus is what he's done for us in our alienation and what we're seeing today and build on today is how it changes you and where you're going to head. You see, the answer to all these questions, Scott very helpfully pointed out right at the beginning of today, it's where we, what we say about our, our church. The answer to all these questions in Colossians, if you haven't got it from our first few weeks and that we see again today, is Jesus that we focus on him and we see him, we get clarity on what life is all about. And so let's tear that apart even further. Have a look at the next few verses that he goes on to say. He says, I have become, in verse 25, I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. That's what we've just seen, isn't it? That he's been a servant to present the word of God in its fullness. Not just 
a little bit of it, but all of it. That is all of Jesus. But what does he go on to say in verse 26? The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom. You see, it's not just that there's this idea out there, this intellectual concept that we've got to understand about Jesus. He's saying, Jesus is in you. There's a real, deep, personal relationship that you can have with him. And so, he's telling the Colossians, I'm going to keep proclaiming him. I'm going to keep admonishing you in him. I'm going to keep bringing Jesus before you. Where is all this heading? Why is, what is Paul's goal? What brings out this rejoice in suffering? What is he trying to produce? And as we see the answer, you get to see what your purpose in life is all about right now. If life is a journey, we in the very next words find out what the journey is for. Let me say it another way. God, the maker of the universe, the one who all things are made for and, and, through and by, has made you and he's made you with a purpose. And in the words of Paul, you see that purpose. Hear that out. So that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. Just sit with those words for a moment. Consider them. They are spectacular. The more and more you contemplate on a simple idea. Maturity, you know, the idea of maturity is something growing. But it's spectacular to think that maturity is that growing into Jesus when we've just spent all this time in Colossians thinking about who Jesus is. And our purpose in life as God's people is not just to have a relationship with him, but to be like him. Isn't that amazing? I think that's actually something that is so important that we can't let it go. That it should never ever leave us. That we are made by God to come into a relationship with him, to then live out a relationship where we grow more and more in Jesus. I, I love that, uh, I think it was last year, um, a book by, well, it was a, his last ever talks. Uh, I'm sure many of you know John Stott. He's a very famous uh, pastor in England uh, who uh, who uh, just transformed Christianity and brought it back to the cross in many ways over the last century. Got wrote an amazing book on the cross of Jesus. And in his last ever talk, he, he summed up, and I read it in this book, he summed up what he thought the purpose of life was about. And he kind of said that he remembered vividly some years ago, and as a younger Christian, what perplexed him was, what's life all about? And he and his friends try to come up with ideas. Those of you who know the Westminster Confession to glorify God, they believe that, yeah, that's what it is, and, and that we should love God, love your neighbour, all those things. But something he didn't feel was right. 
And in this final talk that he ever gives after a life devoted to preaching, teaching and, and pointing everyone to Jesus, he said this. So I want to share with you where my mind has come to rest as I approach the end of my pilgrimage on earth. And it is this. I'll put it up on the screen. God wants his people to become like Christ. Christ's likeness is the will of God for the people of God. That is so perfectly and helpfully put. That our, our goal to be mature in Christ is to be like our Lord Jesus. And we do that together. You see how it's not... My conclusion is that I must, that I should, by myself, be more like Jesus. It's that God's will is for God's people. You do it together to be like Jesus, to grow into being like him. Now, when I said in in an interview that I'm on a quest to get better at golf, just because I love it and I love learning and coaching and that kind of stuff, that could be a despicable thing and a stupid thing on my part if it was my purpose in life, wouldn't it? If my journey in life was all about just getting better at kind of a silly game that you hit something, right? (laughs) That was my purpose in life. That's where I found my identity. And if I was really good at it, that's where my identity was. What, What do I get out of it, really? And then imagine if in the middle of it, I could no longer do it. I fell down the stairs and smashed my knee and I could no longer walk. I could do something like that knowing me would be clumsy. <laughs> if I couldn't do it anymore, I've got no purpose anymore. See, when we don't have our purpose and identity in the right place, our lives get turned upside down. Uh, one of my other things I love doing is uh, I love listening to podcasts, partly because it's easier than reading a book, but also because I love hearing people share their stories. And um, I just happened to be listening to one yesterday about a guy I never heard of. He's not, not famous. He only ever played 50 um, games of professional soccer in England. That's what, why I was listening to it. It had nothing really to do about sport. I was fascinated to listen to it because he'd just written a book with, with um, a, a, a journalist about his life. Because at six, he said, from six, my whole purpose identity in life was to play soccer. He got to 23, massively damaging injury that hampered him so much that when he finally got back, he got so anxious, so unable to play that he would spend the whole week stressed out of his head that he was going to get injured again. He was in an absolute mess. He, he said, I had anxiety that became depression and he couldn't even play. And he only ended up playing 50-odd games. He said, I had no purpose in life anymore. And then he fell into addiction and, and, uh, and all sorts of mess in his life because his purpose was lost. It's an amazing story how he's come through the other end and what he does now. But I bring that up because if we see 
that actually God who made us gave us a purpose that won't disappear, that won't fall away. That all of us, whether you are succeeding in life, whether I get worse at golf instead of better, being more like Jesus is my purpose. Because he is the Lord of all and he has given me life. Is that what you can say? See, in that regard then, if that's why Paul, Paul's suffering, it makes sense why he can say, I rejoice, doesn't it? Because what he's actually saying is, I rejoice that these, these sufferings are going to make it possible that when I present the word of God to you, you can mature in Christ. That is a great thing. I thought, how do I help make this clearer? And I thought, one of the things I like to do is to visualise stuff. And some of you like visualising things. And so I'm going to try and demonstrate the journey of the Christian life visually. And I thought I'd just use Scott. So we're going to come over here. So Scott, you come over here. So I think the Christian life, any life, is on a journey. Okay? And it starts outside those doors. So you just <laughs> outside those doors, Scott. There you go. No, you're out. Power's gone to my head. <laughs> Okay, now, the Christian life starts, in verse 21, alienated from God. And you're not in a relationship with him. Scott is alienated from God. He's got no relationship with him. He's out there. Scott, can you hear us? Uh, yeah. Come in. Oh, the door's open. <laughs> the door's... Come in, Scott. <laughs> you can't come in, right? He can do nothing now. To come in. But, yeah, okay, stop banging, you can't do anything about it. But the reality is, right, when we're alienated from God, because Jesus has died for us, he has paved the way for us to come in, and he gives us life. He can do nothing to stop being alienated from God, but Jesus doesn't. And the Christian life must always start with that. But God gives us this grace. And so Scott can actually come in, not because of anything he has done, but he can come in to, stay here, don't go anywhere, this isn't finished yet. That's just the beginning of the journey. He comes into a life with Jesus that we've seen. This life with Jesus now is a life where you mature in Christ. I was going to give you a Bible because that's what happens, right? You mature with Christ and you read, you read the Bible, but where is that happening right now in this illustration? Where is he maturing in Christ? Tell me. Physically, where is it happening right now? Through the door in here. Who else is in this building? Us. God's people. Your journey in the Christian life is supposed to be with God's people. And so, as you mature in Christ, you read the word. Just, just do it. I know you, you usually do it. <laughs> so, just have a look. And so, he steps forward. He comes in there. He's growing in Jesus. But then, you know, we, we make lots of... Uh, mistakes, we sin, we kind of fall back and we don't grow all the time and so we come back a bit and then will you just look at the program and then we, and then we grow in life and we grow in life and we, and we continue to mature in Christ together as we understand God's word and we get deep in it and we read it deep together now as we do that, just stay there for a moment Scott as we do that though, that's the journey that you and I are on this side of heaven but the reality is, 
the journey does have a destination, doesn't it? We are only on this life for a little while together, and then we die. And so if Scott was to walk through those doors, which he does now, (laughs) the Christian life doesn't end, it just ends this side of heaven, into all eternity, with Jesus in perfection. And so going through those doors, in a way, is representing that the Christian life ends with perfect relationship with Jesus. So you can come back in, Scott. Don't go. You're still, you're still the pastor. I'm the, yeah. um, this time now is how we learn what it is to be mature in Christ. He's returned. That's not part of the illustration. That's, that's just Jesus does that. Um, so can you see that the purpose of your life if you say Jesus is Lord, is to grow in a relationship with him. So, what does this mean? It means that you want to be deep in the word of God because you want to be deep in your understanding of your relationship with Jesus. Does that make sense to you? That the Christian life is not one of rules. Of, oh, Jesus Jesus has done something for me, and so now, to pay him back, I'm going to do all these things, and so I open up the Bible and I find all these rules. Like, if you did that now, and you went to uh, Colossians chapter 3, with that mindset, you would find that Paul goes on to say, you need to put to death all these types of things. There's a whole bunch of immorality and all this stuff that we'll get to um, in, in coming weeks. You've got to put those to death. And you've got to put on all these other things, all these other characteristics. There you go. You've got your list of rules that you're supposed to do. But that's not how we think about it. What we actually see is Jesus has given me life to be like him. And so I want to be like him. So my journey now is to figure out how I want to be. Can you see that difference? We don't change to earn his favour and we don't change because... We must, we change because we want to be like Jesus because that's our purpose. This is such a deeply held conviction at our church that it's one of the five things that uh, Scott says that belong they talk about. Being mature. Maturity is a key part of what this church is all about. It's such a deep conviction that we even have someone in this church who champions maturity for us. Uh, Stuart over there, Stuart Andrews, is um, responsible for thinking about maturity and loves to see people read the Bible. Is that right, Stuart? Please say yes. Yes. Good. Excellent. (laughs) (laughs) Loves to see people read the Bible. That is why we have uh, midweek groups where we get together in smaller groups to read the Bible, not because it's what Christians must do, not because it's because apparently when COVID happened, it didn't happen and we, we're all still here. We also love Jesus, right? It's not a, not a job that you must do, but we love doing it because it's where we get to know Jesus, where we do it together and we can grow in him. And so it's something that uh, you could consider being a part of. Still, would love to talk to you about community groups and, and going into them to... Fully confess, I'm not in one at the moment. Stuart, I know that. Next year, we're on. But um, (laughs) it's something that is great to do. And it's a passion of this church as it starts off. 
for it to be a church that loves growing deep in Jesus. So as we finish, consider, first of all, whether your purpose in life is with Jesus, that he gives you life, whether you need to make that decision. And if you're still wondering about that, I'd love to talk to you. Scott would love to talk to you. Your friends would love to talk to you. But be clear on that. Get your questions answered. Figure that out. And then make a commitment of the purpose of your life, to grow in maturity, to be like Jesus. Every Sunday, everything we do will be saturated in God's word because of this reason. We sing songs that point to Jesus that we see in the Bible. We do communion not because it's another task that we do, but because it's a physical representation of what God's word tells us, that Jesus died for us, and it's by that that we are saved, and it impacts us personally. We pray saturated in God's word. We are soaked in God's word. Are you? Not because you've got to be an academic. If you, even if you don't like reading, I started reading when I became a Christian, to be honest, because I realised, oh, God's words uh, tell me about God. And that's when I tried to start to learn to love the word. Even if you don't like reading, that's irrelevant. Even if you feel like I'm not smart, that's irrelevant. Learning more about Jesus and you growing more has got nothing to do with academic smarts, uh, intelligence, ability, but just a passion to want to know your Saviour. Let's finish everything, tie it all back up, by going back to our three gurus and their quotes. Let's skip that bit. Um, Oprah said, your life is a journey of learning to love yourself first. I'm sorry if you love Oprah, but I'm going to slam her here. <laughs> that is, first part of that is a disaster if you read Colossians. Why? Because where you start first is with your maker, God, who says, I am everything, turn to me. If your purpose in life is to learn to learn to love yourself first, you're going to do that on the other side of those doors. Because the Christian life is one where we learn to love God first because he loved us first. And then from that, we end up responding in loving one another. What about Douglas? I may not have gone where I intended, I think where I intended to go. I hope you see today that we do have intention in our life, that you do have purpose. You're not wondering, oh, I hope I get there or I got there in the end. You have crystal clear clarity that your life is about maturity in Christ, growing in him. And lastly, uh, the philosopher Emerson, Ralph Waldo Emerson, I think he went by Waldo. Life is not a journey. Life is a journey, not a destination. It is a journey. It is something we grow in. But it's because, as Scott did for us, we go through those doors, don't we? There is an eternity where we live with Jesus forever in perfection. And so in the end, John Stott had it right. Is that your conviction, friends? God wants his people to become like Christ. Christ's likeness is the will of God for the people of God. Amen.
Amen. Let me just briefly pray and then Darren's going to come on up and continue to pray with us. Heavenly Father, help us as your people here to be a church that continues to mature in Christ. Help us to be soaked in your word. Amen. Thank you.